Hello, and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship. You name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lemon CEO of the Culture of Animations Agency, D-Flash. Each episode, I bring a different person from business, entrepreneurship, who's doing just game-changing work. I am so excited to have Chana Janelle Ewing, who's the founder and CEO of Genie, on the show. Uh, she has a phenomenal story. What she's doing around um, culture-first marketing is so game-changing, and it's going to be just a wonderful insightfully packed episode take a listen hey Laura, how are you hi there thanks for having me laura oh of course i'm psyched to have you on as part of our 29 days of magic series yes. and you know the fun part about this is that i get to have so many amazing uh dope black women as like yourself who are just going to come and tell me all kinds of amazing things and so we just dive right in so the first question still stays the same and so what was your first job? Yes, yeah, so actually my first job was in retail. Um, I was a sales associate at The Gap um, way back in high school and then went on to like work at Banana Republic because like The Gap and Banana Republic all under the same umbrella. Uh, but really uh, started off which is interesting, it's like a full circle moment that I actually just realized that I'm now in retail again. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. my very first job was in retail as a sales associate and learning the perfect perfect fold, which is the gap way. Okay, you gotta tell us, how do you do the perfect fold? <laughs> so it's, it's basically their approach to like, and it's. It, I'd be curious if this is like, you know, still true, like, you know, 25 years later or something, but like, you know, it basically is the way in which the jeans are floated on the jean wall. Um, they all, they are all like, um, uh, the, the corners are folded in and they're, they're perfectly aligned on the wall and it just like looks good um, to like any of the customers that are walking around the store. And part of the lesson there is that like the, the experience there was like um, Gap really, at that time in the 90s really believed in customer service and really believed in educating their sales associates in everything about the brand and making sure that their sales associates really represented the brand well um, from the moment they even entered the store. You know, this thing about customer service is so key. It's like even now when, of course, now we're all online, that degree of level of service is so very important um, because yeah, we, how people make you feel, you remember that. When people feel, make you feel great, you love it. And when people make you feel bad, you always remember that. You're like, hence why I'm going to that, that store or that experience, so, um, so key. And as you say, everyone who comes on the show, whenever, whatever job folks ever, uh, use as their example of what their first job was, it's fascinating to see how it correlates to where they are today. Mm. So similarly, like, yeah, it's, it is, it is just a thing. 
Um, so that goes into my next question of like, so how'd you go from doing perfect fold to Jeannie? <laughs> what was that road like? <laughs> well, that was a long road, a long, wide, winding road. Oh, and I didn't actually think that um, I would return to retail or that I would return to um, selling products, you know, um, and that way, um, actually, a lot of my career has really been based in storytelling. Um, initially, I thought that I wanted to um, work in film uh, as a filmmaker, as a director. And so I studied uh, media studies and African-American studies as an undergrad. And when I graduated, you know, I did everything from um, being a PA to script supervisor to directing a few short films in and around New York. Um, but then it got bit by the entrepreneurial bug um, after a layoff in 2009. Um, I, was, I was working at McKinsey and Company um, as an EA in their media and entertainment practice. So it feels like I've always been circling around media and entertainment in some way, around storytelling in some way. And so after that layoff, I, I, I sort of thought about what I might do next because I had a little bit of an opportunity. Like it was the first time in my life where I had like a severance package and then I had like some, you know, I could collect a little bit of unemployment. And so I felt like I kind of had a little bit of breathing room to think about like, what what could I do or what might I do when um, when money wasn't the like primary motivation. When Drivers. <laughs> Um, and I haven't been someone who's been, you know, working part-time since I was a, a teenager in some ways or another. Um, so, yeah, so I used that time to, and to um, get on, like I started taking some classes around entrepreneurship. Um, my first one was this thing called Ladies Who Launch, which I think still exists. Um, it's like an entrepreneurial program that uh, for, for women and kind of teaches you how to build a brand. And then ultimately they ended up becoming my first client because in that course, what I realized that I did really well was teach people how to tell stories. And, and at that time, everyone was like, oh, what is this thing called social media? And like, how do I use, you know, Facebook and um, other social media networks to really build my brand as a small business? And so I pitched that to ladies who launched, they liked the idea of me helping them um, showcase their community online, and that was that what that was the gateway to my first business, which was um, which has been a digital marketing services company. Um, initially focused on entrepreneurs, but then you know we moved into again circling back the wagons to film entertainment. We we moved into um, digital marketing for documentary films. And have that have spent the better part part of the, the last decade um, supporting filmmakers on their theatrical releases from their premieres at festivals all the way to their um, Oscar campaigns. Um, and 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 that finally, I mean, like <laughs> I, I'm like I'm trying to like speed myself up to kind of see how I got into retail as a result. Um, no, take your time. It's a great story. I think that what what was you know the through line here is um, uh, appreciating stories and reach uh, 
taking stories, uh, social impact stories and helping them reach audiences, reaching millennials, people of color, LGBTQ folks, and figuring out how to get a story, a documentary, um, and use that to like resonate with a particular community. Um, and I, um, in and around New York, I started to like hang out with some folks in the tech space. Um, and in 20, I think it was 2014, I realized I was like, okay, I've been in this services space, you know, being a service provider, mark, marketer. I was like, you know, I really got interested in this idea of building like a scalable product. You know, that was something that I hadn't done before. And I was like, all right, well, I've been an entrepreneur in this way before. I could do this too. Um, uh, I was sadly mistaken. Like you, there is, there is no like, you know, going from um, being a services-based entrepreneur to building a scalable product is is quite different. You know, it's like a different type of um, type of skill set. Um, and so there was a, a little bit of a learning curve, but I'm I'm really grateful that you know. Um, I, I had the opportunity and I jumped right in. Um, so that first business was Genie Box. And it was, uh, the, the idea from that came from, um, I had been doing this like fun brunch series for a number of years, just on the side, which was, it was called Michelle Brunch, And we- <laughs> Awesome. Right, right, like we would sell. So like, here's the thing. I've been into Michelle Obama since like before, all of the badassery that we're seeing today. So this is also in 2009. An original stand. Yes, an original stand. Seriously, like, and you know, 2009, you know, she was ascending to the White House and I was like, we need to celebrate this as a new black woman on the global stage. And so had that first brunch, um, the Michelle o brunch, celebrating her leadership, bringing other Black women together, and then just kind of like did it on the side for a number of years, not at all trying to make any money out of it. Like we would charge people to attend, but it really just to cover our expenses. Um, and we did it in a couple of cities, New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania, um, Philly. And, you know, when I got the bug and the battery in my back that I wanted to build a scalable product, it was like, okay, how do we actually box this Michelle Brunch experience? Like, how do I bring this um, this really enriching space and bring it to other women? And so, you know, the idea there was that we were gonna box Black Girl Magic, and um, the and that's the reason why it was called the Genie Box because it was about our magic, like magic of genies and our genius, um, and we would have professional women, successful women, curate the boxes, include um, a book, often it was authors, and then lifestyle products. So that's where the kind of retail piece came in because I initially didn't even think that I was going into like a retail model, a subscription model. It was more like the, the goal there was like, how do I tell the stories of these women and using the products that they love to help enrich and tell that story so that other people could also read the same book and also, you know, buy that small business lips, you know, that black woman owned lipstick or that like home decor item. So that was the thinking there. Um, 
And we did that for a number of years. So from about 2016, all the way up until last year. And at that point, it was like, okay, this is good. But, you know, we weren't, you know, we couldn't quite crack the, the like code on like how to scale efficiently, how to like stop running out of money. And initially I thought it was because it was mostly a self-funded endeavor, but actually one of the core problems there was that the mission was to highlight small businesses and a lot of the brands that were in the box were small businesses. So we weren't doing sample size products. And if you're doing a subscription box company, it's like, you know, if you're doing full size products from, you know, under-resourced uh, founders, you can't very well ask them to give you their products for free all the time, right? So that just sort of really ate into our, our margins. And, you know, we got to the end of um, 2019 and we thought about like, how could we build a better box and how could we still um, live, out, live out this mission of serving small businesses and being a discovery platform for small businesses. And, and then the marketplace came into view um, and Genie, um, this new complete, you know, which I thought was going to be like a slight pivot, you know, last year I thought like, oh, we're just kind of moving into a marketplace. And, but what happened as a result of that slight uh, pivot, like a whole new brand and opportunity was born. Um, and now we've um, created this community centered marketplace um, that is, uh, has intersectionality at its core. And we are going after Gen Z and, and millennials, con cause conscious Gen Z and Gen millennials and introducing them to BIPOC queer and women-owned um, indie brands so that we can help these brands move, move their businesses forward and um, reach, reach their consumers. Awesome. Yes, now that now that's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> that's journey. Breathe now. <laughs> awesome. So you know, I, I, I obviously I'm a big fan. Um, I bought a fabulous lipstick um, just just recently from from Genie. How do you find the um, companies that are part of the community? Yes. Yeah, so for the companies, because we had this background as a subscription box, we came into um, we had either brands that had already been in a box that were on our list or like new brands that we had encountered just in three years of business of just reviewing different businesses and considering them from our box. So I, I had already had a pretty strong, I guess, um, pipeline of small businesses that we're still pulling from. And in addition to that, like our own general pipeline and then you know, obviously, if you're on the uh, if you're on the um, in our marketplace now, we also look to our current vendors to share with us other vendors that they're seeing and that they love and that they think are great. Um, and then beyond that, the third way is really we have a, a a link on our website where you can just apply to be a vendor. Um, but right now, we're actually just going through the pipeline that we had already been building over the last few years. Awesome. And what's been the response? Because I, I saw that you recently closed a fundraising round, which tells me that the people outside are finally paying attention. Yeah, the the response has been phenomenal. Like I I couldn't have asked for a better launch, and 
Um, we're still, you know, we're still small. We're still in, in MVP mode. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that we've reached product market fit. We're still understanding our consumers and we're still understanding um, like our, our vendors and, and their needs. Um, but so far, so good. The response has been great. We've had um, tons of um, press and media. We have um, um, shop shoppers, you know, ongoing shoppers. And most importantly, we have a um, community that's growing and th thriving, both an external community that exists on our socials, but also a private community, um, which we're um, engaging with our our um, our genies every single day and talking to them about beauty and intersectionality and the products that they love. That's it's it's so awesome to see because I think you know it's like. Will you please bet on culture, yes. <laughs> friends? It's just like, like it is not that hard. If you just bet on culture, you will Absolutely. make money. Absolutely. Uh, and you know you're proving that. Uh, you know what's been the you know I obviously you've got the smaller independent um, brands coming on board. Have you started the conversations with the kind of larger brands to be like, hey, here's why you should work with us? Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, you know you. That's been a question, right? So for us, like, you know, we see ourselves existing to really prop up the smaller brands and um, increase their revenues, increase increase their um, visibility among consumers. Like that's like our, our mission is to bring these BIPOC queer and women-owned brands to the front. Um, that said, some of the bigger brands, it, it's great to work with them because they can be co-conspirators in that goal. You know, um, one of one of the partnerships that we had last year was with uh, Benefit Cosmetics, which um, which was really like a social media partnership. They they shared us a lot on on their channels, and then we at the end of the year, like around the holidays, we partnered with their ambassador program, which is like their it's called Club Pink. Pink. It's a program for like eight hundred. Um, micro influencers to expose them to to genie and shopping their people and, and the opportunity of shopping your values and also meeting some brands that they may love. Um, so you know there there are ways that I think it would be great to to think about how we can better leverage the platforms of larger brands to um, really increase the visibility and growth of the smaller brands in the in the space. Yeah, and you know that's the thing. I think that folks are talking are, are are finally beginning to see that like people now because e-commerce has had such a massive explosion because of COVID that you now can shop with your values for real and not like have to like okay, well maybe this one thing that's kind of obscure over in a corner where it's like no, if I want a fabulous lipstick, I want and I want it made by someone. Um, who represents the community that I care about, I can go find that. Oh, and I can go find it on Genie now. Yeah, that's, that's essentially like our whole thesis is that like these customers already exist, these brands already exist. We're just, you know, basically creating a platform to bring all of this together. So, you know, if you are buying um, from a sustainable um, Latinx brand, you might also be interested in the, black owned, black and queer owned um, green brand, right? And so that's essentially what how we see that consumer and just 
um, creating a better efficiency so that they don't necessarily have to bounce around the internet looking for these different um, dimensions of uh, brands and products that, that they're um, interested in and that you can we can do that in, in a more efficient way through the community um, centered marketplace model. And so I know that this has not been an easy road for you because you know the 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 role the road that a black female founder has to go through is so insane. Um, so can you tell us about a time where you're like, this is insanely challenging. I don't think I want this anymore. And then you made it through out to the other side. Yeah, I mean, I think really in that pivot from Jeannie Box to Jeannie, I mean, um, it was, you know, we, I, we, we felt like, and we as a team, but just me in particular, felt really beat up by the, you know, by the time we, you know, had started to power down um, Jeannie Box and um, had been, you know, in that business for, um, for three years, really super scrappy, um, having to work another business really to even fund that business, constantly, you know, um, challenged with even having an operational and, and marketing budget. Um, and so, you know, it, it was just really, um, it, it, like, it was before this most recent moment with um, the, the national the, the national reckoning on race that we're in right now, right? So I think Genie Box, if it launched today, perhaps it would have gotten more, get more support from both consumers and also institutional um, investors because now everyone is clamoring around this idea of supporting Black-owned businesses and see- All of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, we, we've been here, we've been doing this- We've been here. Right, but- so, you know, now we've gotten people to like sort of wake up to, to the importance. And so um, that model and that subscription box model was really challenging and super under-resourced just from a, a number of perspectives and, you know, really had me wondering like whether or not I was um, even cut out to do, you know, a startup. And um, in many ways, I was, um, I used the pandemic to go inward and to surround myself um, with um, community. So I have like multiple communities that I either started or and or um, uh, dug deep into and um, enabled myself to like fill myself up with peers and uh, self-love and um, family and all that good stuff um, at the top of the pandemic and the top of last year. And that was really, um, great for, for my own personal growth, um, but also for my growth as a business leader and having a little bit of that time, um, that time between the launch, the close of Genie Box and the launch of Genie. It was about like a, I guess a seven month window um, between like December of 2019 and July of, of um, 2020. Um, was really beneficial. And so I guess the takeaway from that is just that like, sometimes you really just need to give yourself some space in your head so that you can step back and figure out what the next move is um, and, and, and sort of cultivating your own inner voice and your own inner guide so that you can build the, the product that, um, that you really wanna build. 
Yeah, it's so true. It, it, you know, I think, you know, a lot of us, especially black female founders, during this time of the pandemic, really had to take a little stock on what are we doing? Why are we doing this? How do we get, how do we come, come through this in a way that's good for us? Um, you know, same thing with my business. I mean, like, you know, obviously we were obviously 90% events. So we had to flip and do something else. Um, um, and, you know, we're at a really amazing point now where, because we, you know, I think similar to you, we stayed true to who we were. We dug into the people who um, were our stands forever. Um, but also sort of broadened our horizons. And, and I think it gave us a, a lot of space to think out on other things that we could do and remember what our creativity was all about. Cause like in the minute I saw Jeannie, I was like, of course. And it makes perfect sense. I like, yeah. And if you're the right, you look the perfect person to do this because like, you know how to tell this story better than anybody else. Um, because you've been doing those boxes. Like, you know where these companies are. Like, um, it's like no McKinsey study is gonna tell you how to find these really amazing, you know, Native American jewelry companies. Like, you know, like that's, and I think that's the thing that's really impactful because it's like, find the people who know what the heck they're doing, fund them, and then get out of the way. (laughs) Get out of the way. Absolutely. You got this. Absolutely. Um, So it's awesome to see. So now that you, you know, I also got another question. Like, so you actually also raised around, like, um, how was that for you? Like, was the folks come to you? Did you go do the whole pitch deck, uh, song and dance, um, somewhere in between? Yeah, somewhere in between, actually. So, you know, we, I knew that we were going to eventually have to raise. I was um, lucky enough that I had a little bit of um, funding just from my, uh, my first business. So my film marketing company. Um, so I had a little bit of, you know, money saved up from that. And was that was what sort of kicked off our pivot in July. And so, but I knew that eventually, you know, we would, we would need to raise. And um, certainly we didn't have any money for like a, a you know, like a, a, mar- a robust marketing budget. Um, but we leveraged the, we self-funded the initial few months. And in that process, like I had talked to some VCs early on and you know they were giving me the typical song and dance around you know being early and you know blah 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 and like some of the you know those stories aren't even that even worth telling because I think a lot of us have heard the stories around you know um, black women and and raising Um, but then we got to the end of the year so like right around November and there was a woman that I had um, that is a part of a social part of a community that I'm a member of, she she had re- reached out to me and sort of offhandedly was like, you know, um, well, are you currently raising? If so, you know, um, I, I'd be interested in um, investing in, in Jeannie at this like small dollar, small dollar amount. Um, and it was a small amount to her, but it was a meaningful amount to me. And in that email, like I, I kind of was like, okay, well, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong um, and I need to refocus my gaze on individual investors, angel investors, and do a smaller, tighter round from angel investors um, in strategic partners. So folks who had tons of expertise in my space, um, but also, you know, could cut a check into the business. So they weren't just 
be advisors, um, do a small raise from them just to get us get us off the ground in 2021. And then later in the year, we'll do that larger institutional round um, once we have um, a few more uh, milestones that we'd like to reach in this, the first um, the first few quarters. And so that's what we did, like, you know, at, at the top of December, you know, just spent the last month of the year, just reaching out, sending emails and having conversations and one-on-ones with angel investors. And ultimately we landed with 11 and we were able to announce um, like on January 12th, the, the close of that round um, to sync up with my speaking engagement at um, CES. And that was all quite intentionally done. Um, a lot of a, a lot of these earlier rounds you don't necessarily always hear about um, because you know they're smaller rounds. It's under 200k typically in the startup um, in the startup world. People are talking about, oh, we just raised a million dollars. We just raised four million dollars, right? So you know these big numbers that people come out with and they talk about. And I thought that it was important to announce my earliest round and to also highlight the folks who had put their money where their mouth is and also be a resource for other entrepreneurs around how to get those first checks cut and that's exactly what's happened as a result um you know um you know as a result of doing that there's i've had a ton of inbound um, conversations come from entrepreneurs saying who what when where how you know and so i'm i'm having these conversations one-on-one and also um, participating in, in panels and um, other conversations to support the ecosystem. You know, that's so important. And, and you know, and I'm so glad you, you shared that with us because I think, you know, there is this sort of weird line, especially when it's background. It's like either you raise no money and suffer or you raise some money and suffer or you, or you do every, you're this, or you're this grinding and suffering, and like those are the kind of narratives we see in there. And there's like one or two magical unicorns who kind of break free and actually raise something. And I think that we have to get back to celebrating our wins, but Absolutely. also to show who actually is talking, who is actually walking the walk and not just talking, because there are lots of brands out there, lots of people out there saying, oh. I, you know, I want to open up my, you know, round to like pull in more young black founders. It's like, well, okay, it's been six months. I haven't seen you invest in a founder. How did you not do this? Yeah. Uh, oh, well, you know, my firm isn't. I'm like, but if you're an LP, that means you have your own bucket of cash that you can go into. Now I'm telling you, you have to throw in $10 million here. But if you wrote a check for five, 10, 15, $25,000, it's a meaningful amount to a founder who Absolutely. can get that off. Absolutely. And, you know, and this opportunity too, right? So for my investors, they, you know, there's an opportunity not only to invest in a product that they, they understand the vision and they're on board for it, but also to gain my expertise and to kind of get a, a beat on what it's like to be a founder raising money in this environment. Like I'm thinking about one of my investors who texted recently about like a mentorship program that she had come across and she's like, oh, this is great. And I was like, I literally responded like, you know, um, black entrepreneurs um, need checks, not mentorship, 
like we're we're fine you know like and so you know and you know and I could be very blunt because we have that relationship and she was like yeah that was a meaningful response because you know now she knows that she you know she's not going to be sending um just like mentorship resources over to folks because you know we we're heavily mentored and heavily like oh let's get you to participate in some pitch competition when you know it's a very simple thing um hire or wire right that was a phrase that i feel like uh <laughs> i love it had said back in i mean may of last year or something like she posted that on twitter like hire or wire and i was like exactly that's that's all we need to be talking about right now hire or wire you know and if you're not doing it, then shut up. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want you to be my ally. I don't want you to be with me. I don't want you to put up a black square. It's like either you are putting your money where your mouth is or shut it. Right. And the people who are putting their money up, put it up. Because like I saw your list and I was like, oh, really? And I was just like, because some of the folks, I was like, oh, okay, good. Um, <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, I was like, they better. Like, because it's like, because like there is this cloak of mystery around what it means to be an investor mm -hmm. and like and often and, and folks don't know what it means it's not a million dollars it's exactly. like people start with smaller amounts like there are people who invested a thousand bucks in facebook and that became a hundred million dollars mm -hmm. um and, and, and you know that it, it's really about the fact that when you're the first checks in because you believe in something and that you can ask and even if someone said to you like hey listen that's a little bit low for what we would need to be have you in but like we could probably figure something out versus like i'm not even going to ask the question because like i don't think that's the right thing versus here's what i can bring to the table along with like you know the money that i can bring today and like maybe when you guys get here next round i can put more in um but you know i was having a similar conversation with the guys from uh from Squire uh, a few weeks ago. And, you know, obviously like, they're one of the first black unicorns, but you know, their first checks were the same thing where it's just like, they were just like, got some stuff from some buddies. We were like, wow, okay. Um, and, you know, it was just the validation that they needed to say like, listen, someone's actually believe in this and also getting the hell out of my way and Absolutely. like not kind of be all up in it, um, which is so important, right? At, especially at this moment, like, you know what the hell you're doing? It's like, you write books, like you don't, you don't, you know what right. you're doing. <laughs> it's like you don't need somebody to tell you what to do. Um, just we, get out your way and I'm gonna. We need more of these first check stories, right? Like a lot of again, a lot of entrepreneurs don't necessarily like before I did it. I didn't really know what I was doing, right? Like so, you know, it, it's important for when you do something to share what you've done, so that then the other the person that is on their way to doing the same thing it's a little bit easier for them you know that's sort of the model that I live by and and so and so key especially at this moment we're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the 29 Days of Magic campaign you know they're designed by Soho House and their workspaces to help Creative thinkers, businesses small and large, connect, collaborate, and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of 29 Days of Magic. It's a safe 
wonderful and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations, one else in New York City, in the Meatpacking District, one in LA, five in the UK, and they give you that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location, feel safe. I've you know been able to meet some really awesome people, which you haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to re- record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it, please go to SohoWorks.com to get more information and tell them I sent you. And now back to the show. So um, now that we're you know into the new year, what is next for Ginny right now? Absolutely. So next for us is that we are, um, we just actually launched an ambassador program. Um, it's right now, it's with a few of the members of our private community, but we'll likely expand that out on our social media and that on our public social media networks. And that's really an opportunity for um, to get the community to take a little bit more of the reins of, of this sort of intersectional beauty narrative that we're um, exploring. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm also just like excited to be able to like pay people, you know, like. like, (laughs) It feels really good, doesn't it? Yeah, like, you know, we're not not at a place where we can have a salaried, you know, staff just yet, but soon come, you know, but just be in a position to be able to pay contractors for their time and, you know, um, keep, um, pay people on time, you know, all these things are important and, you know, while you're trying to grow a business. Um, so, um, and also to be able to pay, pay myself, you know, um, these are, uh, these are no, these are no small feats in the life cycle of a business. Um, and so just excited to just really be able to get to work and execute on our plan. Awesome. So in that true fashion, so, you know, obviously, you know, you're, going 55,000 miles an hour, what are you doing for your self-care? It's a great question. So I have a couple of things. One is I'm so into community, um, communal care as self-care. I have a weekly group uh, that I call Let's Get Metaphysical. (laughs) We meet on Mondays. (laughs) Essentially, all we do is talk about spirituality and self-care and wellness and all the different tools and modalities that um, the the women in that group do, you know, from Buddhism to Qigong to um, running uh, to meditation. You know, my my personal things that I do it's like really around meditation and then astrology. Actually, like I'm really a big astrology um, buff and just you know from a hobbyist perspective, like I like thinking about. Um, you know, how the planets line up and how they impact um, the story of your life. Um, But also, like, I I think it has really helped clarify for me, like, you know, um, sort of my purpose and how I get to um, engage other human beings. So those are my my two self-care pieces, the astrology and the meditation. Oh, astrology. So, that, so, okay, so the astrology is the first, so gotta ask, so do you do your own charts, like, or do you go to an astrology, yeah. how, do you, how do you show up it? Yeah, so I just, this year, I have, I'm now doing free birth charts, so, oh. um, and this just, again, to just um, up my own skill set, because, um, you know, the birth, the birth chart is really, like, the place where you um, can, you um, 
go to work and like really figure out the map, the astrological map of a, of another human being. And so decided to just like offer that because since I'm not like a trained astrologer, um, my training is going to be in um, looking at birth charts, studying them, and then I'm um, offering my perspective to anyone who signs up. So um, I do those free birth charts on Sundays. If you, um, I don't know, if you have my Calendly, you'll see there's a catch up on Sundays um, tab, and that's where anybody could just slot in a, a birth chart reading with me. Oh, one, I'm signing up because I'm fascinated. Because <laughs> I've gotten far more... Well, because the hidden thing, I, it's one of those, it's, it's actually an interesting thing. Like I similarly have kind of gotten more into this side of the universe over the last couple of years, because I just, and just seeing and reading and like, and looking at different things, I'm like, you know, that kind of, that tracks, that mm-hmm. correlates. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't look, and you can't look at that and not go, oh, I want to know more about that. Or like this, that's really why I do stuff like this. I was like, I'm a Pisces Aquarius cusp. And if you read what a Pisces and Aquarius person is, I am kind of both. It's like, I'm really nice to people. I can be really cold. But, you know, but I also feel like, you know, it is such an important aspect of sort of understanding yourself. Um, and helping you find your way because you know five years ago it was all about like the hustle the hustle the hustle the hustle and nothing about okay what makes sense for me what can help me kind of see where the heck I'm going and how do I breathe uh and and how do I find the path and you know astrology archaic records tarot cards, mediums, like, you know, they've been around for centuries. So they've been around for centuries. Why would you not be at least a, a little bit curious to see what they what they say? Um, right. And, and learn, like, what have you got to lose? It doesn't mean go to charlatans, but it does mean, like, do your reading, like, find, you know, find some folks who, are, who know what they're doing, who will come at it from a good intention and, and, and look into it. Absolutely. I see go for it I'm all about it um so we'll put the details in the show notes so that so you can get a bunch of like new requests your stomach is gonna be busy now see <laughs> careful what you wish for <laughs> um and then you know uh and then last question do you have a give and or an ask of the audience um so I guess the give is um I guess the astro the birth chart free birth chart readings um and then if you want to talk business I also have office hours that I do on Friday so I'm happy to just you know have um quick chats with anyone that's um that's thinking about a business problem or that they want to solve or fundraising or any of the any of that good stuff so um so that's my give and then my ask is that you just follow Jeannie. Um, just follow us on Instagram. We're at Jeannie World. Um, and, you know, consider um, bought, like joining our newsletter. Just like follow us everywhere and um, stay up to date on what we're doing. Shop if you would love to do that. Um, but at the very least, follow and um, join the conversation. 
Awesome. And I realized I forgot to ask you a question because you've done so much. What would you have told 25-year-old Sharon? Hmm. Um, that she's just right. You know, I think when you're 25, you know, you could be a bit anxious and constantly thinking about like, are you doing the right things? Or, you know, you're comparing yourself to others. I mean, you know, you, you compare yourself to others at any age, but I think it's particularly in your 20s. So I would just say that you're just right and you're okay and everything that you're doing um, is all a learning experience. So just keep on. I love it. Like, oh, sorry, it's so good to talk to you. Like, you're one of my favorites because I just, I love the trajectory that you're on. And so I I, I always remember keep laughing about the, the funny place we kept bumping into each other during a South By. I know, <laughs> like, I know. You're here. <laughs> like, you're here. Right, right. <laughs> We're like, oh God, what are we witnessing? <laughs> so, um, um, but like, you know, it's just a joy to see that like, you know, you've got the, the back thing to help you soar because you know, I just want to keep seeing you shine. And Thank so, so we will put all the details in the show notes. Of course. Put all the details in the show notes um, to um, take you up on some astrology and some office hours and buy products. I love the lipsticks I bought from Bikini World. Of course, my brain is fired, so I don't remember the names, but it's a beautiful burgundy. Um, and, you know, this, they're just such good, smart, beautifully made products. Uh, and like you can buy with your values. It is not, sac- you're not sacrificing quality to buy with your values. So I encourage my, all of you to um, check out Jenny World and these fabulous creatives because um, you will not be disappointed. And so thank you, my darling, for joining me on the show and being part of 29 Days of Magic. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. And that is our show.